All right, welcome everyone to the first ever Ben and Corey podcast. I'm Corey Novotny. And I'm Benjamin Carlson. Ben and I are a couple of software developers who met in college and instantly bonded over our love of football and all things sports. That's right, Corey. We're far from experts, but we have a lot to say, and we hope you enjoy listening to our show. So with that, let's get started. The 2017 NFL season has ended, and the Philadelphia Eagles have been crowned Super Bowl 52 champions. That doesn't mean the league isn't still making headlines. We'll talk about Josh McDaniels spurning the Colts to stay in New England, Jimmy Grappolo becoming the highest paid player in NFL history, and Johnny Manziel's NFL comeback attempt. A tumultuous season in Cleveland caused the Cavaliers to make a flurry of moves at last week's NBA trade deadline. We discuss how these changes affect the basketball landscape heading into the second half of the season and preview the always entertaining NBA All-Star Weekend. The 2018 Winter Olympic Games are underway in Pyeongchang, and while we may not be the biggest winter sports fans, we give our take on what we will and won't be watching, including Corey's take on what he believes is the most overrated sports at these games. And in honor of Valentine's Day, Ben and I debate our favorite chocolate fillings in today's top five. Mmm. Alright, so the 2017 NFL season is sadly officially over. The Philadelphia Eagles knocked off the New England Patriots defending Super Bowl champions in Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis, 41-33. The Eagles, the number one seed throughout the regular season in the NFC leading into the playoffs, were an underdog team after young phenom quarterback and MVP candidate Carson Wentz tore his ACL in December but backup Nick Foles the hero Super Bowl MVP still leads the Eagles and now Philly has a quarterback controversy heading into this offseason that's right and in my opinion obviously Carson Wentz is the guy if he's healthy but that's a big if If Carson Wentz can't be the guy that he was last season, it's good to have a plan B with a guy like Nick Foles when you have so much talent surrounding that quarterback there. Nick Foles has shown that with the right coaching and the right weapons, he can be that, I I, I won't say MVP caliber, but he can definitely help your team go places. So I think the Eagles have to hold on to him as as a great insurance policy just in case Carson Wentz isn't Carson Wentz after this injury. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's that's where it ends. I think Foles is a, a solid backup. He's a great insurance policy, but looking forward, Wentz is the guy. You know, unless his ACL injury, which usually keeps guys out, you know, 8 to 12 months, and then they, they come back, uh, unless that, that doesn't happen for him somehow, I don't see any way how the Eagles could move forward with Nick Foles as their franchise quarterback. And I think any NFL team that decides to trade the Eagles, you know, first, second round pick, yeah, some kind of a, a big, big offer like that uh, is making a really poor decision. I agree. Nick Foles has shown promise, 
but I think we've seen enough on him to know that he's not the, uh, the, the he's not going to be your quarterback of the future. I think a good stopgap because the Eagles are in a win now situation. Uh, they have talent at so many positions that if Carson Wentz isn't the guy next year, I think they could do a lot with Nick Foles. But moving forward, you really hope Carson Wentz is the guy because that that would keep you in that win now mode for years to come. Uh, one, one thing I don't want to uh, understate, though, was how amazing the Super Bowl ended up being. I thought that it was going to be a big disappointment after last year because we saw the first overtime and a huge comeback, unlikely victory. Uh, as a football fan, I mean, that was one of my favorite Super Bowls I've seen. And then this one, I think, outdid it with unlimited offense, scoring big plays the whole time, and uh, Tom Brady not winning it. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people watching were kind of hoping that to, to see someone else win. Yeah, you know, it, the Patriots always give us a great Super Bowl, whether they win or lose. Uh, you know, eight of them they've played in. And this eight-point game, a one-score game, was the largest margin of victory for either team in any Patriots Super Bowl since the Belichick-Brady era started. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Tom Brady throwing 500 yards and losing is unbelievable. And at that point, you really have to look at what happened on the defensive side of the ball and question some of the decisions made by the coaches, including head coach Bill Belichick. Agreed. I mean, keeping Malcolm Butler out is a head scratcher for me. I understand that Bill Belichick is the dark Sith Lord of the NFL, and he can make decisions like that that often work out for him. But in this situation, the way that the Eagles were just eating up that defense, it's tough to justify keeping a playmaker like Malcolm Butler out of the game. Yeah, the, the Butler decision definitely makes no sense to me. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that this was a discipline issue. I don't know how you can say that a guy who played you know, 97.8% of the regular season snaps, played every single play in the playoffs to that point, doesn't help your team win. You can't find a package to get this guy on the field. Uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind that he did something that Belichick was like, all right, nope, you're done. Uh, thanks for the memories, but we're, we're not going to play you this game. And I think ultimately, if that was a, an, an egotistical move by Belichick to keep him out throughout the game, and you know, whether, whether or not that actually, you know, Butler playing a few plays, making some third down stops is all it takes for the Patriots to win that game, I think it's hard to look and wonder what if and say that Belichick effectively cost the team the Super Bowl by leaving Butler on the sideline for whatever personal reason he had. Yeah, we'll never know. It'll forever be a head-scratcher, but I'm sure the Eagles are happy that he made that choice. Yep, and, uh, you know, the the entire playoffs, there were some, some skeptical um, people out there as to, you know, what was going on with the Patriots organization. You had the ESPN article come out. You had... Uh, you know, this idea that Brady, Belichick, and owner Robert Kraft had some kind of power struggle, that uh, Belichick was, you know, going to leave the team as there was all these changes in the offseason, which two of them were going to be losing defensive coordinator Matt Patricia to the Lions and offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels to the Colts. Well, two days after the Super Bowl, McDaniels decides... He's not going to the Colts, and he's staying with the Patriots as their offensive coordinator. And that signals a, a lot of potential reasons that really uh, are up for debate. 
Yeah, no, I mean, if jo- Josh McDaniels very well may be the next head coach of the New England Patriots. He may be uh, in line to secede Bill Belichick. And uh, he, the way that he dealt with the Colts was very reminiscent of the way that Bill Belichick dealt with the Jets and just giving them the middle finger when he said he was going to join them and then turning around and saying, uh, no, thank you. I thought it was actually pretty funny that the Colts said the rivalry is back on because yeah. the rivalry can't possibly be back on. They, <laughs> the Patriots no. and the Colts won't even play frequently enough because the Patriots keeps finishing in first and the Colts look like they're going to keep finishing in last for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah, the the Colts definitely have taken a an unprecedented backward step considering where they looked like they were heading only a few years ago. Uh, you know, Andrew Luck's first 3 seasons, 11 and 5 every year, make the playoffs every year, go to the AFC Championship game in 2014, and Luck just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So there are some questions, you know, is is Luck's health part of McDaniel's decision but I think really it's got to be McDaniel's was told by Robert Kraft hey you're the next guy and it's only a matter of time like potentially this is Belichick's last season and McDaniel's is taking over next year because I don't see any other way why McDaniel's would turn down a head coaching position agreed agreed it has to be easy to be the Patriots coach but just look at how grim the cold situation is right now Andrew Luck his future is very much in doubt and the AFC South is no longer a uh, a place for the Colts to get six free wins every season. These are some good teams they have to go up against twice a season, and uh, the Colts are definitely the weakest ones there. So I, I definitely understand wanting to coach the Patriots instead of the Colts, but it just makes Josh McDaniel look like a, looks like a, he looks like a bad person in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know if. If it was simply, no, I don't want to coach the Colts, I'll coach another team next year. I don't know how any NFL franchise, you know, owner, GM is going to feel comfortable hiring him to be the head coach, knowing what he just did to the Colts. Uh, you know, yeah, what, what, like, you know, the, the Patriots are most likely going to make another deep playoff run, whether it's to the Super Bowl, AFC Championship game, enough time that some of these teams could fill their head coaching vacancies before the Patriots are eliminated. So if a team were to commit to McDaniels long-term again, I, I don't really see the, the reason why uh, any owner would think that that is a, a, a decision that they can trust. No chance. No chance. This man is going to coach. The next head coaching job he has is going to be the Patriots or he's not going to have a head coaching job. I think he just... Uh, boxed himself out of any other opportunities. I certainly wouldn't. Tr- I, I would be mad as a fan if my uh, my owner decided this guy was worth giving a job to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think the point with the Colts, uh, yes, the the AFC South is is getting better. Uh, you know, you have Deshaun Watson in Houston. Looks like he's gonna be the real deal. Marcus Mariota in Tennessee, he got in the playoffs this year. Same with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. Uh, regardless, the Jaguars' defense looks unbelievable. They have a lot of great guys. Whoever's quarterbacking there, it looks like they're going to be a team uh, for a long time going forward. But to turn down a head coaching position, you know, I know it's not the best situation. Uh, a lot of it depends on Andrew Luck's status, but it really does not reflect well on Josh McDaniels. 
Uh, and agreed. You know, one last year, uh, one of the the teams that was considering hiring McDaniel's was the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, ultimately McDaniels decided not to go there. They wound up with Kyle Shanahan who, yeah, thank God. Yeah. You know, yeah, he he had a a fantastic season there. And uh, a lot of that is because of a trade deadline acquisition that surprised many. And that was Jimmy Garoppolo of the new England Patriots. Yes, and I mean, it even surprised me as a San Francisco 49ers fan, uh, but I was definitely happy when I heard it. First off, one thing I want to mention, the Patriots are 0-1 in in Super Bowls since trading Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that's facts right there, man. Yeah, you're right. They're 2-0 with him. That's right, and uh, so we've got a Super Bowl champion in the Bay Area now, and I've heard a lot of claims that he has been overpaid. Uh, seven games a career does not make. But Jimmy Garoppolo made the 49ers go from a 1-10 and 10 team to five wins straight. So it's – no one, ha- no th- uh, team that's gone 0-9 has ever finished with more than three wins, and Jimmy got five in a row with almost no talent around him. The 49ers lost their best wide receiver, Pierre Garçon, and everyone else in that wide receiver core is basically nameless, short of Marquise Goodwin, who had his one of his best seasons so far. So there's a lot of questions still moving forward with Jimmy, but as a Niners fan who watched every snap, and I've watched them multiple times at this point, I'm fully confident in paying Jimmy the big bucks for him to be in San Francisco for a long, long time. You know, it, it is hard to question uh, what this guy did with winning five games in a row, seven NFL starts and seven victories. You know, his his short resume is impressive. And, you know, no, no one knows what's going to happen going forward. No one knows if he's going to be able to keep this up or if he's going to regress to the state of, you know, any normal player. It's hard to keep up a an undefeated rate like this for a long time. Uh and I think that's that's where a lot of the 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 contract that he received becomes into question. The fact that there's just so much unproven about this guy, and you're gonna pay him all this money because of a a small stretch. And I think it does kind of remind me a little bit of what Nick Foles just did in Philly. Uh, I don't think a team should lock up Nick Foles to a five-year, twenty-seven million dollar year contract. And I, I don't know about Garoppolo getting that kind of money. Well, you got to take a look at the difference between the situation in Philadelphia right now and the situation in San Francisco. I don't know many people who can name 49ers right now. Uh, the last prominent or relevant 49er was Navarro Bowman, and we released him to the Raiders. We didn't even get a trade for that because the Saints wanted to trade, and uh, Navarro Bowman didn't want to move to New Orleans, so we let him... Go play for the Raiders. Other than that, this while there are some up-and-comers, there's some young guys, the 49ers are basically a talentless team outside of the quarterback position. And, this, and, and as a result of that, they have a whole lot of money. So Jimmy, the, like the 49ers are taking a risk. Anytime you give a player this kind of money, you're taking a risk. But I think saying the highest paid player of all time is a bit of a uh, sensational way to put it. Because the franchise quarterback, the most recently paid franchise quarterback, is always going to be the highest paid player ever because the salary cap is always going up. I predict that Kirk Cousins will 
bust the salary cap again and get paid more than Jimmy because he's got a wider body of work and uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to want his uh, his services uh, for the future. You're right. It's it's only a matter of time now before Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, even Aaron Rodgers takes that uh, you know highest paid player in NFL history title from Garoppolo. Uh, it is eye-opening having a player who is as unproven as him hold that status even if it's just for a short time but i agree san francisco looked like arguably the worst team in the league uh you know with the exception being the cleveland browns and they're they finished six and ten so what he did was was very impressive they're 20 to 1 favorites to win the Super Bowl next year, which are the same odds as the Seattle Seahawks, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Dallas Cowboys. So, a lot of people are buying into this hype from Vegas to uh, general manager John Lynch to fans across the Bay Area to fans across the entire NFL. And I guess it's a lot of we'll see what happens going forward. I think San Francisco is going to be an improved team. I think. Garoppolo has what it takes to get them back to that uh, Harbaugh-era playoff caliber every single season going to a Super Bowl kind of status. But there's a lot of uncertainty about it. I'll tell you this. For the first time in a long time, 49ers fans are excited to get back to the regular season. And uh, I, for as one of them, I uh, can't wait until we can start proving that Jimmy is worth that contract. You know, they absolutely should be. Um, and now, in terms of a another quarterback, in fact, a quarterback whose last NFL victory was against the San Francisco 49ers, uh, and a quarterback who has not played professional football in a couple of years, Johnny Manziel, uh, uh, recently yes. has made some, some headlines uh, with the thought that he's trying to get back into professional football in some capacity. Rumors about him going to the XFL, the CFL, not the NFL right now, but he did recently uh, sign to be a part of some spring football league that's starting up in March, uh, so he's going to get his chance to come back. Honestly, Johnny Manziel was just a phenomenal college football player and I think that there is a future for him in football but I don't think it's in the NFL I think that Johnny Manziel will play great football in the XFL and be a celebrity a relevant name in sports news once again especially with how I don't want to say gimmicky but the the XFL is going to be kind of phenomenal the first year no matter what happens because it it's bringing the XFL back It'll definitely be be pretty gimmicky, you know. It's it's the WWE takes on football, uh, but Vince McMahon, the the owner of the XFL, stated that no players with a criminal history are going to be allowed to play. Uh, now that's a a pretty sensational comment, uh, but Manziel has a DUI on his record, so the thought is that the the stricter crimes that McMahon would boycott from his league. Uh, you know that that's gonna be one of them. So I don't know if I would go ahead and say that he's going to have a phenomenal XFL career. Um, I would like to see what he does in the spring football league. I'm intrigued by the idea of him playing up in Canada, but yeah, I I don't know if I would go as far to say that Johnny Manziel is ever going to play in the NFL again. I agree. It, it's 
if Johnny Manziel gets a job before Colin Kaepernick gets a job in the NFL, there's going to be riots. There's no reason why Johnny Manziel should be able to get a job again after everything he's done. Um, when there's, and I, I mean, I bring up Colin Kaepernick, but there's still a lot of safer choices than going with the volatility that is Johnny Manziel. I, I'm, I don't think that the Browns uh, have any sort of confusion about how bad of a choice that was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I think that there was a lot of hype going into Manziel. Uh, at coming out of college after what he did at Texas A&M. Uh, just a star quarterback there, won the Heisman Trophy, and he got paid as a professional athlete, and the the partying side of him really came out, and there were a lot of off-the-field controversies. And yeah, I agree. There's The, the Browns learned from that mistake, and I don't know if there's going to be an NFL team two, three years from now who's willing to take that shot. And yeah, you know, Kaepernick, if he can't get a job, what makes people think that Manziel, it's only a matter of time before he plays again? Yeah, and these, aren't, these guys aren't the first ones to be in this situation. Tim Tebow is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tim Tebow, I would say maybe there's a certain level of uh, performance that was part yeah. of the reason why he couldn't get yeah. another job. But at the end of the day, the reason why Tim Tebow couldn't even be a backup is the media circus that's going to follow him. And, I, and I, I think we've learned NFL teams don't like that. It's a distraction. No. And yes. uh, Johnny Manziel is a distraction. So I, I, my prediction is no, Johnny Manziel will not be in the NFL ever again. No, and uh, I I was not a Manziel fan. Um, I did not did not like him in college at Texas A and M, uh, being an SEC rival of South Carolina. Uh, that that was where my original dislike of him came. Uh, coming into the NFL, just the act that he put on his post, being cut by the Browns, and just not not caring lifestyle, constantly going out partying, just seeing all these. Uh, videos and photos of him but he has said that he is sober that that's not his lifestyle anymore he's putting in the work to to get back into it and you know I, I would like to see him you know turn his life around completely and get back into professional football in some capacity just not sure if I would say the NFL right now agreed so he, he's definitely a name to watch going forward. Uh, but in terms of other names going forward to watch, you know, we have the offseason uh, is, is still very young. Uh, March 14th, the new league year starts. We got some free agents they're going to sign. So, Ben, who are some of the, the top free agents that you are most intrigued to see what happens with them? All right, so we already mentioned him a little bit, but Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is in for a massive payday, and we have to see who's willing to cough up the most money. I'm not sure that these teams have the most money, but I would most like to see him go to either the Jags or the Vikings um, or even the Broncos because I think you combined the offensive consistency and playmaking ability that is Kirk Cousins with a powerful defense and you've got yourself a ticket to the playoffs yeah uh, I think I think Cousins can be a difference maker but I, I don't know if I would say that he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league I don't think he deserves the 30 million dollars a team is most likely going to pay him um, I think 
if Minnesota commits to Cousins over any of the three quarterbacks they already have, uh, that would be a bold choice on their part. Uh, and I think that him going to a situation like the Broncos or the Jacksonville Jaguars or even the New York Jets would probably make those teams better, which is kind of unbelievable to say about Jacksonville given they just made it to AFC Championship game, but I, you know, that really goes to say how much you believe in Blake Bortles. Uh, but I, I think it, it'll be really interesting to see how much Cousins actually gets on the market, how much teams are really willing to, to spend on him because Washington Redskins made it clear that they had no interest in poning up the kind of money that he wanted. Yeah, Alex Smith to the Redskins was a huge surprise for me. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're wrong in doing that, but I think, I, I honestly think that Kirk Cousins, depending on where he goes, if he if he lands in one of these three teams with a great defense, I think he'll have a better season than Alex Smith in uh, 2018. More uh, moving forward, though, other free agents I'm really interested in: Carlos Hyde, a somewhat aging running back in uh, for San Francisco. He's going to be 27 this year, and he's due a contract. Uh, I'm not sure what Kyle Shanahan's uh, loyalty to Carlos Hyde is. We've already seen Kyle give a lot of money to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, but I we're not so sure that he wants to stick with Hyde. I mean, there, Hyde was consistently producing this season, but we did see a lot of Matt Breda, and uh, it's. I mean, if uh, his time in Atlanta was any example, uh, Kyle is open to mixing it up and having multiple running backs in that backfield. So I think Carlos Hyde will fetch a pretty penny on the open uh, on the in free agency if he does leave San Francisco. He's got uh, consistency on the ground, and this year he showed that he can receive out of the backfield. He had, I believe, it was 58 receptions, which eclipsed his career total to that point uh, going into the 2017 season. Uh, and keeping on running backs, Le'Veon Bell for the Steelers is someone I'm really excited to see where he goes. Just, I mean, you're a Steelers fan. Is he leaving uh, Pittsburgh? Yeah. You know, so GM Kevin Colbert has repeatedly said that he wants Bell back. Le'Veon Bell has repeatedly said that he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. They as far as I know, are close on a contract just based on what they're saying. But they gave themselves a February 20th deadline. We're coming close to that deadline, and there's still no announced contract. So I'm definitely a little skeptical. In terms of wanting Bell back, I think short-term 2018 season, absolutely. Uh he, in my opinion, is the best running back in the NFL. He can do everything, whether it's running the ball, catching the ball, or blocking for uh, Big Ben and the rest of his teammates. I think that going forward, there are some question marks because of durability. And you can't dismiss some of the, the off-the-field concerns that come along with Bell. You know, I know he he kept, kept out of the... Uh, so he he didn't get suspended this year, which is you know you you wouldn't think that's a, a big big deal, but for for Bell that is. Uh, he stayed on the field. He played 15 games, would have been 16, but they benched the entire offense in the last game against Cleveland. Uh, so he he played a full season, and that's something we hadn't seen from him. 
and I think with his injuries, a lot of it was the timing. Yeah, he tore his MCL against Cincinnati in week seven of 2015, missed the entire season. But 2014 and 2016, it was getting hurt the very end of the season, not being able to play in the playoffs in 2014, finish the Patriots game in 2016. Uh, but he was able to stay healthy this year. So I think Bell proved that he is deserving of a contract. I think a lot of his his off-the-field antics this season were related to wanting being paid, uh, going as far as to saying that he would contemplate retirement three days before a playoff game if the Patri- or the Steelers were to, to franchise tag him again. And, you know, it, in terms of dedicating a lot of money to one player, you definitely have to question that decision if you're the Steelers. But knowing what he's already done and what he's capable of in the short term, it's hard to just be able to let him go. Agreed. And it's it's tough to give big money to a running back because league-wide, there's plenty of good offenses that don't pay their running backs very much money but still get production, whether it's through a committee or it's just getting a young guy to be uh, you know, your workhorse. So I think it will be intriguing. Honestly, I could see him being uh, stingy and leaving the Steelers because he wants more money but not being able to find that anywhere. So definitely someone to keep your eyes on moving forward. Uh, Just a few more names I want to throw out. Jimmy Graham uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. He's finally meshing in that offense. I'd be interested to see if he stays there or if he leaves where he ends up going. I know that DeAndre Hopkins tweeted at him a Photoshop jimmy graham picture with a jersey swap uh him wearing a a texans jersey would be interesting to see him in that offense uh drew Brees in uh new orleans i mean you got to think that drew Brees is going to stay there but obviously he's going to cost a lot of money yeah there's no doubt in my mind that Brees is going back to new orleans he said he wants to stay they want him to stay they're gonna find a way to pay him uh at 38 years old i i think it it's pretty pretty much a guarantee that he's going to finish his career in New Orleans with a team that, you know, for the past couple of years hadn't looked very good, but this year they were one of the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC. I think they're going to continue to be for at least the next few years while Breeze is there. Offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. I mean, how can you not want to stay in New Orleans? Uh, A few more names just thrown out there. Jarvis Landry from the Dolphins. Uh, Allen Robinson. His contract is up for the Jags. Sammy Watkins in uh, L.A. I think that he's probably going to stay there. Uh, But another exciting name just to throw out there. Um, I mean, a lot of moving pieces, and I can't wait to see what happens come March. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of guys who are up for some big paydays. So it'll be very interesting to to see who moves around, who stays, you know, who... Who breaks Garoppolo's uh, highest paid player in NFL history status first and ultimately last. Uh, So there's definitely a lot to look forward to in terms of the NFL offseason. But the NFL is in its offseason and there are other sports currently going on in their regular season. Including the NBA, which is getting ready to start the second half. But... Before the All-Star break this year, uh, for the first time, as far as I know, ever, the NBA trade deadline happened. Generally, it's later in February. This year, it was February 8th uh, as part of the NBA really just moving up their entire schedule. And 
a lot of people were curious what the Cleveland Cavaliers would do uh, after starting the season looking like the defending Eastern Conference champions. They won 18 out of the 19 games, and then they went on a stretch where they lost 12 out of 18, and there was a lot of finger-pointing, a lot of turmoil in their locker room, and it seems like they did a lot to address those real big concerns. Does any one player have more influence on their team in any sport than LeBron James? This man had the Arthur meme earlier this year where he literally memed his team to victory uh, by deciding that he was mad and that they were going to win. I think it was 11 of 12 in a, in a pretty good run. But then also to say, I don't like the guys I'm playing with and I'm going to create these amazing trades all right before the trade deadline. I've never seen anything like this in in sports before. Is there anything? Can you compare this to anything you've ever seen? I can't. Uh, I think that LeBron James, the player, is just as important as LeBron James, the general manager, and it it's it's unbelievable just like how much power this guy has and has had since he decided to go back to Cleveland. He is. He's an absolute icon. And so I'm going to run through the trade really quickly. There's a lot to it. This is just going to be where each player went. But here's a recap of the trade deadline Cavs moves. So Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry went to the Lakers. And Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. Got, were sent to uh, Cleveland. Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose went to the Utah Jazz. Iman Shumpert went to the Kings. And Joe Johnson also went to the Kings. George Hill joined the Cavs, uh, as well as Rodney Hood, and D-Wade was, I would say, just like kind of given back to the Heat as a favor uh, in exchange for a draft pick. So, a lot of moves, an unprecedented amount of moves, and uh, I think that things are going really well for the Cavs since this trade, since these trades. Yeah, yeah it, I, I think that the Cavs were really in a, a bad spot before the trade deadline. I think that there were a lot of moves they could make. And the unbelievable thing is they, they were able to get rid of Isaiah Thomas. And some of the other guys, who you know, Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, you know, older veterans that they weren't really contributing to this team in any kind of positive way. And they were able to keep the Brooklyn Nets pick, which is going to be a top 10 pick, potentially even higher if the, the ping pong balls at the NBA lottery go their way. <laughs> so I think Cleveland made some moves that could help them this season, and it could help them in the future, which is important because LeBron James is a impending free agent, and there's a lot of question marks as to whether or not he's going to stay in Cleveland beyond this season. Right, right, right. So, so. LeBron James makes these moves, and immediately the Cavs defeat the, I guess, what is considered one of the top teams in the East, the Celtics. Uh, immediately, and they they smack them mm -hmm. down on uh, who was being recognized. Paul, that Paul night? Pierce, Paul Pierce. Um, he was it was his jersey retirement night. Uh, Celtics legend. The the retirement was after the game, uh, where they they hung up his his number to the rafters, and uh, definitely kind of took away from it, having lost to the Cavs by twenty five points or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. So insult to injury there, and then they they go to Oklahoma City a game that I was in the arena for, and they, I, I would say, upset the Thunder, who have been uh, 
who, who had just come back to full strength with Carmelo Anthony and Russell Westbrook returning from their short injury hiatus, which they are not that long ago, they beat the Golden State Warriors. So the, the Cavs, I think so far, a small sample size, but they, you've seen a massive improvement since these moves were made. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to the Thunder, it was just a few weeks ago when they played in Cleveland and the Thunder beat them 148 to 124. And then for them to come back uh, with this new roster and go and beat them in Oklahoma City, uh, that's definitely eye-opening. And I think that these trades, uh, as, as a Celtics fan, uh, I don't like to admit this, but I think that they put Cleveland back on top as a favorites in the Eastern Conference. Are, uh, so are you predicting a Warriors-Cavs finals once again? I am. I am predicting that once again. Um, I would have said Warriors-Celtics before the uh, trades happened, but given what Cleveland removed from their locker room and their, their, their sh- sl- small sample size but fantastic play uh, since making those trades, I, I am... I'm willing to think that Cleveland is going to go back to the finals for the fourth straight year. This is just classic LeBron on the Cavs, though, isn't it? LeBron, Mm -hmm. the seemingly a powerhouse team that has its struggles during the season, but come the postseason, LeBron James is going to be handing out punishment and punching his ticket to yet another NBA Finals. Yeah, yeah, it, it... This is definitely not the first time that there has been some kind of regular season controversy when it comes to LeBron, and it looks like the trades that were made are enough to to restore that status. Whether that means LeBron is going to remain a Cavalier beyond this year's playoffs is to be determined. I think a lot of uh, their postseason success and really just overall, like, how this team continues to play. Like, does he really enjoy playing with some of these guys that they just brought in uh, versus wanting to go elsewhere? Uh, we'll, we'll determine. But, yeah, it's it definitely seems like Cleveland is the Eastern Conference favorite right now. LeBron to the Warriors confirmed. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see about that one. Uh I would think that if he's gonna go out west, he would go to the Lakers. But uh, we will we will save that debate for another time. Fair enough. Uh, and we'll we'll look ahead. So this weekend we have the All Star Weekend coming up. And not a fan of the actual All Star game itself, but in terms of all the festivities that go down, I think the NBA does it better than any of the other major professional sports leagues. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I mean, even just the fact that some of these competitions come with actual bragging rights where the you actually uh, want to win. It, the, the one I want to compare it to the most is the one I pay attention to the most, the NFL and their Pro Bowl. They It's ridiculous, the Pro Bowl, how silly the, <laughs> uh, the, that week. Uh, like, I, at this point, I don't even watch it anymore because it's just so not football. But at the very least, I like that there are aspects of basketball that can be turned into competitions that the players are actually going to try hard at and make for some entertaining uh, television. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people can say what they want about the game itself, but who in their right mind says they aren't entertained by the slam dunk contest uh, or yeah. the three point contest or even the celebrity game? You know, this year you got Jamie Foxx, 
Bubba Watson, Nick Cannon, uh, Caleb McLaughlin from uh, Stranger Things. You got some some WNBA stars like Candace Parker playing in this game. I, I think it's entertaining. Uh, you have the Rising Stars Challenge. You, that's kind of like the All-Star game in terms of the level of play, but you're seeing some of the young guys like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the court. Uh, and I think that there's there's a lot of appeal to the All-Star weekend. Agreed. I'll, def- I'll certainly be watching. Yeah, so in terms of the three-point contest, uh, your guy Paul George of the, the Thunder is playing or competing in this event. Uh, you got Eric Gordon, who's been one of the best three-point shooters in the league for quite some time now. Seems like it's more or less his, his entire game, but he's, he's fantastic at it. You got Clay Thompson, uh, the, the second of the Splash Brothers, but still an unbelievable three-point shooter. Do you have a prediction as to who's going to win this contest? I'm going to go with my homer. I've got a uh, root for my city here, and that's going to be uh, my man PG-13. He's going to be sinking the most. You know, an interesting one here is uh, Tobias Harris, who was a Piston most of the season, just recently got traded to the Clippers for Blake Griffin. He's the the hometown guy in this all-star game being played in L.A., but I think I'm going to go with Gordon in this one. Uh, should certainly be entertaining. As for the slam dunk contest, you got some some young stars in this one, uh, with Victor Oladipo of the Pacers, who he was part of that uh, Paul George trade that a lot of people scoffed at. But Oladipo is playing in the All Star game this year. I can't tell you can... how many times I've heard Thunder fans in the city say, "Why didn't he ever do that for us?" <laughs> Even when he came, you know. I I was there for the Pacers game, the first time the Pacers came to uh, Oklahoma City this season. And uh, Oladipo showed out, and I think it was I, good on him, you know, to show that he was he is a good player, and uh, I mean he's improved massively since getting a new role uh, for the Pacers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, after being the second overall pick by the Orlando Magic, never really looked like he was going to be a superstar player there. Gets traded to Oklahoma City for Serge Ibaka. A year later, gets traded to the Pacers, which he did go to Indiana for college. Uh, and it, it looks like he's, he's really found himself out there. So he'll, he'll be joined in that slam dunk contest by rookie sensations Donovan Mitchell and Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, Mitchell has been playing unbelievable. He was the, the like 15th pick in the draft or 18th. I... I he, he was a, a mid-teens kind of guy, and it's possible he's going to win Rookie of the Year. Dennis Smith Jr. to the Dallas Mavericks, uh, and then Larris Nance Jr., who was just recently traded from the Lakers to the Cavaliers, is also competing in this. So this should be a very, very entertaining slam dunk contest. Uh, I know in years past, there's been some guys who are only in this because they have a couple of highlight reel dunks in practices, but they're not... They're not noteworthy NBA players, but I think this is a pretty solid slam dunk contest crew this year. I agree, and after seeing Larry Nance Jr. slam a few in uh, in in person, I think that he's my favorite for this competition. But it's wide open. I I, I have no yeah. real insight besides seeing Larry Nance Jr. do his thing in person. You're right, and I, I think that that's a, a good reason, and there's no way to really predict who's going to win this because we don't know what kind of crazy moves these guys are going to pull out. Uh, I would like Dennis Smith Jr.'s chances. I saw a, a quote from him today just kind of 
talking about the first time he ever dunked when he was only in eighth grade, which blows my mind. Uh, wow. at, at that young, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see about that one. That that should be another fun event. Uh, as for the All Star Game itself, I personally don't plan on watching. I'm sure that there will be some entertainment for the fans. I, I how much defense is played, we'll see. Both teams could score 200 points. Yeah, no, no defense. Reasonable. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. I predict zero defense. <laughs> yes, I, th- I think that is the the best prediction uh, that anyone can make about the All Star Weekend is that there will be no defense in Sunday night's All Star game. So now let's uh, focus our attention on an event that doesn't happen all the time. Doesn't even happen every year. The Winter Olympics are going on. Uh, This year they are in Pyeongchang, South Korea. And, you know, between the two of us, there's not a whole lot of uh, Winter Olympics excitement. I mean, the U.S. isn't even dominating in the medal count, so... No, no, I think fifth in the count, it's, uh, yeah, definitely not not, uh, our country's prime events. But I'm not even embarrassed about that as an American. I mean, who cares about these sports? Yeah, yeah, oh, no, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like, yeah, for me, the only Winter Olympic sport I ever really got excited about in the past was ice hockey. Yep. And they're not even letting NHL players play this year. Uh, basically, the NHL and the IOC couldn't come to an agreement. The NHL didn't want to take the 17-day scheduling break that they have to uh in order to accommodate this olympics games so they're not playing and because of that you have a bunch of young guys and a bunch of older veterans who are no longer in the league and all of the best professional athletes that aren't in the nhl are in russia and the the olympic athletes from russia are pretty much a slam dunk to win hockey so it's it's not even worth watching that i agree and and what a tragedy because it would be awesome like there have been some historic russia v united states matchups in the future (laughs) and without without putting your best players out there what is even the point of the olympics right yeah yeah of course because i really don't feel like we're putting we're not truly being represented by what America has to offer through hockey when uh, <laughs> literally our professionals aren't on the team. Yeah, yeah, and I know we've only been doing it since 1998. Uh, historically, professionals have not been allowed to compete in the Olympics. Uh, that was a big thing in basketball as well. But it made it made hockey in the Olympics exciting. Uh, one of my, my more fond Winter Olympic hockey memories was watching... Uh, the United States take on Canada in the gold medal match in 2010. The U.S. was very much overmatched talent-wise, but they still they still hung in there. Um, former Buffalo Sabres goalkeeper uh, Ryan Miller was the, the star of that Olympics for the U.S. And Canada won the game in overtime, but it was still a very exciting gold medal match to watch. And I, I just don't see that happening with the same kind of excitement with a bunch of guys that i've never heard of playing so same but one thing i think we can agree on uh that was pretty cool to watch was the united states dominating men and women's snowboarding yeah yeah that is absolutely uh with 
Chloe Kim and Red Gerard, two 17-year-olds just you know, wiping the floor with the competition, winning gold medals. And Sean White, a snowboarding legend. Uh, it's it's definitely interesting. Like I enjoy watching like highlights come up on my Twitter feed, but I'm not sitting there watching the event, watching all the heats and the the different trial runs that that go down before the the medals are awarded. Yeah, so. I'm a I'm an old school sports guy, man. I, I like to see points scored, not judges awarding points. Yes, so I, I agree with that. Um, I, I, I understand that's... it comes down to a certain – there's a science to it, and they're not just picking their favorite. But when there's that semantic to it that where someone has to decide what it's worth – same thing with uh, figure skating for me. Yeah, I just yeah. – Oh, man. Yeah, that's that, – that, figure skating, part of your score is literally your, your appearance and just the overall vibe and – you know, did it look like it, it was a, a fun thing to watch? And it didn't, didn't even have to come down to the actual performance itself. And that, I, I agree. I, I don't know if, if all of these are, are sports. Like, should but. you have Olympic orchestra where if you, you know, and like you could yeah. really do anything. But if, you, if you're going to score artistic value, then you're really just throwing the rule book out the, out the window and you can make anything a sport. So I'm not trying to, I, I, I sound harsh. Uh, lots of people devote a lot of time and energy to this sport. I'm just saying personally, I uh, don't enjoy it as much as some. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And I think there is one sport that people talk a lot about this time every four years and I just do not understand it at all. And that's curling. Like, <laughs> they're, like, everybody seems to get all excited about curling. And it, I just, I don't get it. It's one of those sports where you, you turn it on and you watch these people, like, sweep, sweep brooms and stuff. It's kind of like shuffleboard but on ice. And, you know, maybe some people think it looks funny. But... I don't I don't understand the obsession with it. I think I think people like curling because everyone else tells them that they should like curling. No one actually is a curling fan. It's like a and, it's like a meme of a sport, you know? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. It, it is a meme and it, it that is that's 100% how it's described. Some people have a better sense of humor than me maybe when it comes to meme sports, but I just <laughs> I I think curling is so overrated. I have no interest in watching curling and i think that uh anybody who does is just doing it because they think that they should like you know i can see maybe if uh, a curling match comes on late night at a bar you and your friends are all all drunk and having a good time and you can you can find a way to to make it a fun thing to watch but what kind of person just sits like on a tuesday night just laying in bed. I'm gonna watch some curling because that's on TV right now. Like that? No, that, yeah, that's not. Hey, a dude, thing. dude, come out with us tonight. We're going drinking. Sorry, dude, I can't. <laughs> I, I don't want to miss a second of Olympic curling. So, <laughs> so yeah, the thing it, is, there are people who th- rooting for their country alone is enough to make them enjoy any sport. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that I'm definitely that way when it comes to a lot of sports, but. I don't know. Is the U.S. even good at curling? I I, I don't know. I, I've never heard of a curler in the U.S. personally. 
I would have to watch curling to find out. So I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I think, uh, I think that there are a lot of other countries. Uh, you know, a lot of those countries where it's like winter, like seventy five percent of the year. So that's what they do is they 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 play these outlandish sports and there's only 300 of them in the entire world so it that's how they make it to the olympics like i I don't know but uh curling's one of those sports where you look at it and you're like i i could probably do that you know maybe maybe take a few tries i played shuffleboard once wasn't that great right away uh but i think if i i practice a little more i would get the hang of it and curling's basically just big shuffleboard where you get the aid of a broomstick yeah no i i think that if i you know when my cartilage wears down and my bones are rubbing together shuffleboard or or curling may be uh as exciting as it gets for sports participation but until that day (laughs) i think i'll stick to real sports yes yes i i agree with that um so now as we start to reach the the ending of our show let's kind of take a little break from the the sports theme so Valentine's Day was this week. It's a day filled with love and romance and chocolate. Yes. So so in honor of this holiday, you and I will break down our top five favorite chocolate fillings. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, I'm going to start my number five, peanuts, and specifically M&M's peanuts. Uh, I, I, I think the M&M's on their own are a little bit bland, but when you add that uh, that peanut on the inside, it gives you uh, a, a whole new candy, a whole new experience, and I, I'm a big fan of it. Also, nuts are, uh, are a good source of nutrition, so uh, you get a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of nutrition right there. For me, number five, I have coconut. And I think coconut is one that a lot of people don't like it. And I, I don't really understand. I think coconut is a solid flavor. I don't think it's it's the the greatest out there. Obviously, I only have it number five on my list. But I, I enjoy coconut. Uh, I think that coconut is a great addition to any candy. And a lot of people will argue that. But I, I think it's it's a solid solid choice. And probably a little healthier than some of the other options that we have on our list, too. I'm, I'm going to have to... I hate to take a hard line on it, but you're dead wrong. Coconut is <laughs> gross in chocolate. And uh, if we ever go trick-or-treating together, I guarantee you, you can have all my Almond Joys. Hey, I, I will take your Almond Joys, uh, which I think is interesting because what's your number four? That is correct. It is almonds. <laughs> now, uh, with without the coconuts, I get another nut. And uh, I, I think that having like that crunch on the inside of your chocolate bar uh, really adds a lot to it. It also makes a decent topping for ice cream in my opinion so almonds are my number four you know i i do enjoy almonds um i do enjoy nuts i think that they are a solid addition to chocolate they're they're not my favorite i think that oh I, I think combined with chocolate they're a lot better than by themselves which maybe is part of the reason why i i don't give them as much of a respect uh, but yeah you know i i think that if we were to do top 10, I would have almonds and peanuts on my list, but we only did top five. So it's Gotta get that it's, crunch. Yeah, you know, it, it, hey, you're, you're nuts for nuts. What can I say? <laughs> so number four for me, I think, is another unpopular flavor, and that is raspberry. And my favorite Ghirardelli chocolate bars are dark chocolate raspberry. And I, I know that a lot of people, like raspberry is kind of like a random fruit, 
it, it you know no one kind of wants to have fruit and chocolate but I, I think it's a really solid combination um i i was tempted to put this one higher on my list but i realized that there are some better options out there but raspberry coming in at number four for me well Honestly, the only time I can remember having raspberry in my chocolate is when I get a box of assorted chocolates and I bite into one and am totally not expecting to get raspberry. <laughs> that being said, it is a good mix for dark chocolate. Get a little sweet with your uh, bitter. So yes. I'll, I'll let you off the hook on that one. My number three it has to be nougat. And I actually had to look up the spelling of nougat because I had not been spelling it correctly in my head. But uh, <laughs> nougats are, or nougat is inside of... Milky Way candy bars and uh, or I'm sorry, Three Musketeers candy bars and uh, it's a soft, fluffy, chocolatey treat that uh, changes the consistency of any candy bar you put it inside. And uh, I'm a big fan of it. It's uh, it's unlike most fillings. Uh, it's still chocolate, but it's this light whip, creamy goodness, and I'm a big fan. You know, I nougat's solid. Uh, I think it's a good good addition to any kind of chocolate bar but i don't want just chocolate and nougat i want to have other stuff go with it so i i can't agree with you putting nougat in your top three i think if you combine nougat with peanuts or almonds or some other fillings it's it's a a solid kind of add add it to the mix but by itself i i think you have it completely overvalued well, if you're so smart, what's your number three? So, my number three, I guess I don't really know what the the best way to describe this, but the crispy things, like in a Nestle Crunch bar or crispy M&M's, uh, just whatever, whatever that is, I don't know, it's kind of like a Rice Krispie treat, um, or I guess it's a Rice Krispie itself, and I, I've always been a huge Nestle Crunch fan, I, I love crispy I think it's a really solid flavor. It gives it that little crunch, but like in a a lesser um, way than say like peanut or almonds. Uh, with peanut and almonds, you're kind of pretty much you you get rid of the chocolate. You just left with this big nut. Whereas crispy, it's it's these small little pieces, and they're 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 not as overwhelming. So for me, that's why if I'm gonna have a crunch in my chocolate, I want it to be the little crispy stuff, whatever yep. exactly they are. Yeah, I would say I suffer from an underexposure to crispy because I, I know that M&M's has a variant that has like, crispy, whatever it yeah, is that's in there. Just, it, yeah. I think they're M&M's crispy, but yes. uh, as well as the Crunch Bar, which I, I don't hate on either one of those. So I, I respect that pick in your top uh, in your top five. Now, I've noticed that our top twos are the same but reversed. Yes, so, so I, I think I think what we should do this is I'll make the case for why my number one choice caramel is number one, and you can make the case for why peanut butter should take the crown. All right, that sounds good. Let's do this. So, so in my opinion, caramel is the Robin to chocolate's Batman. Okay, it's not. I I'm not a fan of eating caramel on its own, but I can't find anything that goes better hand in hand with chocolate. If you give me, I mean, look at any successful candy bar. Uh, well, not any, but look at the big successful candy bars. I'm talking like Twix and Snickers. That you take a bite into there, you get that nice solid chunk of chocolate, but then you get that drizzle, that that stretch, that pull of that caramel just kind of flowing right out of there. One and two, right there. Caramel and chocolate go perfectly together. All right, so 
I think a flaw in your argument. So you mentioned Snickers and Twix. Is yes. that correct? That's correct. Snickers and Twix aren't just chocolate with caramel inside. They have other things to it. Caramel is just another part of the mixture. The best candy out there is Reese's Cups. That is just chocolate and peanut butter. You know, if for this debate, are we going to say that Rolos are better than a peanut butter cup? I, it's, it's, I can't I, agree with that. I think that it is butter, tough to take a hardline opinion against Reese's peanut butter cups because yeah, they have and, a cult and following. Yes, <laughs> and I think I think Reese's peanut butter cups is the the perfect example as to why peanut butter is the best chocolate filling because on its own, peanut butter makes Reese's what they are, and caramel on its own that's just a really sticky situation like at that point like why even dip it in chocolate you might as well just be eating you know one of those little caramel squares caramel i think is a great addition to any candy bar but on its own peanut butter has to be the number one choice you 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 make a convincing argument i'll give you that but i'll still take caramel as my number one chocolate filling all right agree to disagree so with that let's wrap up our show with our final takes it's time for the final takes so uh first off we'll talk about a little bit of mlb free agency and uh again i i don't follow it super closely but something that intrigued me about the mlb free agency situation right now is the rumors of possible collusion and i think that you darvish just threw a big old uh wrench into the spokes of those rumors uh, by signing a $120 million contract to join the Cubs. And uh, I, I think that that kind of turns that whole argument on its head. I'm excited to see how that moves forward. Yeah, the U Darvish signing was certainly interesting. Uh, but I, I don't know if I can agree that it totally abandons the argument. Uh, I think the fact that this this is a player who is represented by Scott Boris, who is the the MLB agent who represents every star player in the league, it seems like, always trying to negotiate contracts with these top players. Uh, well, when you look at like some of the other guys still left on the market, you have Mike Moussakis and Eric Hosmer, two former Kansas City Royals, uh, who I think at least one of them will probably end up signing with Kansas City. But it is, it is amazing how both these guys are still not on a team. Two pretty solid power hitters who have World Series championship experience. J.D. Martinez. Now, this, I think, is a case where Boris tried to tell Martinez he was worth way more than he's actually worth. I think it was somewhere in the seven-year, $210 million range, whereas the Red Sox are reportedly the team who have the highest offer to him, and it's five years, $125 million. So a significant drop-off. Uh, there's... There's uh, been rumors that Martinez is kind of fed up with the Red Sox offer, which don't make any sense to me because no one else has given him anything. The Arizona Diamondbacks who traded for him uh, at the trade deadline last season are only offering him a one-year deal reportedly. So I think it's only a matter of time before Martinez signs with the Red Sox uh, or is pretty much forced to taking a serious 
pay cut compared to what he expected heading into the free agency period. And then Jake Arrieta, uh, I think you Darvish signing with the Cubs pretty much ends his tenure in Chicago, which a couple years ago I think was very, very much like the thought that Arietta was going to be this, this uh, you know, the Cubs wouldn't even be able to afford him because of how much he was outplaying his old contract uh, after his impressive 2015 season leading to the, the Cubs to the NLCS and then the following season being part of their rotation that won the World Series. But he has definitely regressed since since that time. So it'll be interesting what happens with him because I think he is still one of the, the better pitchers in the game. But it is it is pretty unbelievable how so many of the the top free agents heading into this offseason are still on side. And you really have to question, is there going to be some kind of work stoppage related to these players not getting what they believe they're worth on the market? Definitely worth keeping an eye on. So, uh, for our next take, the Tesla Roadster uh, is in space. And Ben, you're a big Elon Musk guy. So, well, what are this, your thoughts on this? This is this is fascinating. I actually, uh, luckily at work, we had it was kind of a slow day, and we got to actually watch the launch. And I hope that they were broadcasting that in every elementary school in the United States because progress like this it makes me believe that maybe my grandkids or maybe their kids are gonna be living on Mars. Some of them. There's going to be, uh, I, I think there's a lot of possibility, and uh, and you can't beat that picture of the Tesla Roadster uh, out, out there orbiting the Earth, just chilling, just having a yeah. nice little drive-by, uh, just cruising through the, through the stars. It is pretty cool uh, seeing that, and it really makes you wonder where, where we're headed in terms of space travel and... You know, the idea is that we're going to have people on Mars. Uh, I personally don't want to be part of that that trip, but I think it would be kind of cool to see if, if we do send others out there. The Mars Football League is going to be spectacular. <laughs> yeah, starring uh, Johnny Menzel. <laughs> uh, our, so. our, next, our next topic here, and I can't even believe we have this one on here, Kylie Jenner's Baby. Yeah, you know, so so Kylie Jenner stole some of the Super Bowl spotlight to announce that uh, she was pregnant this whole time, like a lot of people had speculated, and actually gave birth to her daughter. Uh, and she announced that the baby's name is Stormy, uh, which I think is an, an interesting name. Uh, and I, it makes you wonder, you know, is, it, is this her way of showing solidarity with president trump following his uh alleged infidelity accusations with uh porn star stormy daniels oh my god the, the, i just you telling me that just now is the first time i've heard that i've actually i wouldn't even say avo- have been avoiding but i just don't care about the kardashians and they make a living off of people noticing and caring about the mundane stuff that they do so I don't care. <laughs> name it. Yeah. You can name it. What you can name your baby, whatever you want. Um, I personally am going to pay attention to things that matter. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think uh, a lot of a lot of celebrities are always coming up with these interesting names 
for their kids. Uh, and I think the, the, the timing on, on the name Stormy is a, a little bit of a, a that weird is, coincidence. That is hilarious. <laughs> I will give you that. I did not know that, and I'm glad I know that now. But yes. overall, I do my best to avoid Kardashian news because, I mean, if the Snapchat clickbait headlines that I see when I look at Snapchat's content uh, is any indication... It's garbage information that I don't need. Yeah, that that is that is reasonable. Um, so uh, the the next topic is uh, the so Bitcoin. Uh, it it looked like Bitcoin was was on the rise and uh, really really about to take off for a while, and then perhaps the bubble burst. But. It looks like it's back increasing again. Uh, just went over ten thousand. Uh, are you are you a Bitcoin? You a crypto guy, Ben? I have not invested, but just about everyone else in my office has. Here's here's the thing. Show me a person who knows how Bitcoin is going to go, and I will show you a person who's a liar. Okay, this is <laughs> brand new technology, and while exciting as it is, it's extremely volatile. So I think that if you've got the money, I think it's a great time to throw it out there and see what happens. But at the same time, it's pretty risky. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I also didn't didn't buy into it, uh, both literally and figuratively. Uh, I <laughs> like you. Pretty much everyone in my office is uh, a Bitcoin a crypto person. Like it's it's all everyone wants to talk about. I I don't really care. You know, if 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 you end up making a lot of money off of it, good for you. Uh, I'm going to stick to my 401k and my, my conventional uh, New York Stock Exchange stocks and mutual funds. But hey, you know, maybe maybe I'm going to be the, the person left behind when Bitcoin really does take off. So well, here, we'll here's, see where it here, goes. Here's the thing. When I was in college, I remember hearing about Bitcoin for the first time and all the other cryptocurrencies that were coming out. And I thought they were interesting. But I was a poor college student and I wasn't mm-hmm. I didn't have money to throw it <laughs> some brand new like currency that had never been seen before right people who did it then they should they, they should be happy because no matter yes. what's going on right now they have made outrageous amounts of money but when your when your sister who majored in public health tells you i'm gonna get into bitcoin it's time to pull out it's time to leave <laughs> bitcoin behind because once once it's gotten to that point once everybody is in on it and everyone's gonna get rich quick it's uh it's over i in my opinion it's it's done i think that crypto is still important moving forward blockchain is really what's important moving forward it's gonna uh i think redefine a lot of our economy but bitcoin and bitcoin specifically if we're talking crypto in general uh there's a lot going on but bitcoin specifically i think that ship has sailed if you're gonna become a millionaire off of bitcoin you already would be one yes i agree i think at this this point it seems unlikely that buying into it is going to have a, any kind of significant profit gain so and we'll, we'll uh, see. yeah no we will and, and it's that's the whole thing you can, <laughs> we're making predictions about it but just like i said <laughs> you can't predict it so it's no. uh, it's crazy no. yeah and our final topic is the daytona 500 Corey, what's your take yep yeah so that the daytona 500 is coming up nascar is back uh I I don't really know what to expect for this. So I know Dale Earnhardt Jr. has retired. Uh, Jeff Gordon recently retired as well. 
I think Jimmy Johnson's still racing. Uh, I think the Daytona 500 is an exciting event, even though I don't necessarily have a anyone that I'm, I'm really pulling for. Um, I, I've been in, kind of a Joey Logano fan in recent years, uh, pretty much since he came up as a rookie. So I, I think he's my new favorite NASCAR guy going forward that I'll pretend to root for when I see... Uh, Sports Center highlights of who wins the different NASCAR races. So I'm gonna go with Joey Logano to win the Daytona 500, um, assuming that he's he's still a, a solid racer and competing in this event, which I I believe is the case. So, yeah. well, I I predict it'll be a good night for left turns and hearing loss. That's about yes. as uh, I, much I as think, I know. <laughs> you know, I think it would be cool. Um, I, Daytona Beach, I, I've heard some great things about. It would, it would be a fun fun event to go to, especially with Monday being President's Day. It's a, it's a holiday, a long weekend for a lot of people in this country. So, you know, if you do have the opportunity to go down, definitely enjoy that. So, uh, with that, that's, uh, that's all we have for you today. So, Ben, do you have any kind of closing thoughts or messages for our listeners? Jimmy G is worth the money, and he will prove it in the upcoming season. I think that is a, a bold statement, and I will hold off judgment for now. We'll, we'll leave it at that. So thank you for listening. Uh, we will try to get these out to you on a, a weekly, bi-weekly, somewhat regular basis. We'll so see how it forward. goes, but I, yeah. I like it so far. Yeah, look, look forward to the, the next one coming out. Uh, not too long from now. So, thanks everyone.